Hi, I'm Derek T. Dingle, Senior Vice President and Chief Content Officer for Black Enterprise. Welcome to the latest edition of Chasing Success. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to talk with one of the most dynamic leaders in banking today and her exciting new role to help drive Black wealth creation. Bina Elliott, Head of Advancing Black Pathways for J.P. Morgan Chase, seeks to bolster the economic foundation of the Black community and implement initiatives to close the racial wealth gap. By focusing on targeted investments and programs under the firm's diversity and inclusion framework, Elliott leads Advancing Black Pathways global efforts surrounding careers and skills, financial health and wealth creation, business growth and entrepreneurship, and community development. Prior to her current role, Elliot was the chief architect behind the success of Fifth Third Bank's landmark five-year, $32 billion investment in underserved communities nationwide from 2015 to 2020. As its chief enterprise responsibility officer, she oversaw the firm's corporate social responsibility functions, which included environmental sustainability, philanthropic giving, ethical business practices, and economic responsibility. Uh, Bina, thank you for being with us. Actually, it's great to uh, talk with you again. Um, I, the last time we talked, you were at Fifth Third Bank where you spent 20 years there. Now you're at JP Morgan Chase, mm -hmm. leading Advancing Black Pathways. Well, what I'm interested to know is, why did you decide to take on this new challenge and what do you expect to accomplish? First, thanks, Derek. It's great seeing you again. And I'm super excited about this new opportunity to lead the work of Advancing Black Pathways. And as you pointed out, we were doing some incredible work in my previous organization that I'm extremely proud of, where we focused intentionally around closing the wealth gap for lower moderate income communities and focusing on the opportunities to create more access to capital points for small business. And we had tremendous success. And I know we, with that work, we changed lives and improved the opportunities for businesses to scale and grow and really help revitalize and stabilize communities. When I looked at that body of work, while I was extremely proud of it, I saw an opportunity to be a lot more intentional with that work. That work was agnostic to race. So that meant that I didn't look at it for any specific community, but just based on the income of that community that we focused on. But when you think about the big challenges we have in this country around racial wealth and equality opportunities, I thought to myself, what else could I do? How could I be more intentional with my activities and ensure that my experience and all of the tools that I had developed and understood could move the needle in communities. How could I really focus on and harness those, that experience to impact black communities? I have a 17 year old and a 21 year old at home. And one of the things I always tell them is if you see something you don't like, you need to be the change you wanna see. And so I had to look in the mirror and say, while you've done great work, could you do more? And if so, how do you lean into this space and time and moment to make sure that you leave for the next generation a better, you know, a better community around racial equality and wealth building than you found? 
And so that's really important to me. And when I think about the work that Advancing Black Pathways has been on for the last two years, I have been a fangirl of that work, admiring it from our previous organization, right? They were doing outstanding work and really discussing and challenging the communities that we serve to be more, much more intentional around creating pathways for Black people to build wealth, to, be, to really look at the structural racism that we have in financial services and challenge us to do something different and to be brave and bodacious in tackling these problems and bringing the full force of their organization with them. When I think about the bold, bodacious pathway that um, Tashonda and T set forth with Advancing Black Pathways around the conversations and the, the discussions that they wanted to have around how do you create clear wealth and generational wealth, not just for the moment, but around how do we create the transfer of wealth in our communities. It takes the policy and advocacy work. It takes the tools and products um, when it, as it relates to financial services. It also takes conversation as education to make sure that behavior goes along with the opportunities to access capital. Well, before we dive deeper in terms of advancing Black pathways and what you plan to uh, bring to the, uh, the, the platform, mm -hmm. um, share with me your thoughts on you know, the, the recent corporate commitments. For example, uh, Chase has made, last fall, made a $30 billion commitment yeah. to racial equity. Uh, since the um, uh, unrest that came out of uh, George Floyd's tragic death, we've mm -hmm. seen myriads of corporations come up with new commitments and initiatives, billion dollar programs. From your vantage point, how do these programs need to be implemented? And what are the metrics that need to be put in place so that they're successful? I'm super excited around the movement and the significant announcements that occurred over the last six to eight months. It shows that both the private sector, the public sector, and our not-for-profit community all understand their role in driving systemic changes around racism and equality and opportunity. And But the reality is none of us could do it singularly. If you just ask the government to do it, which we've seen all of the laws and regulations that have not moved the needle, We've asked corporations to do it. And while they've made some impact in their world and in the industries that they focus on, it has not made a dent in the systemic problems that we have. And you can't rely on all of our not-for-profit organizations to be the carriers of change and to drive that change by themselves. It takes all three. And so I think that what was really exciting for me was the fact that everybody acknowledged that there was a role that they had to play and that collectively, not individually as organizations, but collectively, when I think about the companies bringing all of their assets and resources combined with the not-for-profit ingenuity, the incubation and the creativeness, and, and also the government with sort of their enforcement abilities to, to really address a problem, we know we can tackle it and actually have some progress and to be sustainable. The one thing that's important when you think about these commitments is that there's accountability and transparency around making these big, bodacious statements 
and then seeing the proof that follows. When I joined J.P. Morgan Chase, the one thing that I was really impressed with was the rigor and structure in which they have laid out this $30 billion commitment and the measurements and accountability and the commitment to be transparent and engage with stakeholders both internally and externally to gauge and measure our progress, to share with, give us direct feedback if we're off course and to create a space where we can leverage and learn from each other. And so I'm really excited about that. When I think about the $30 billion, always, even when I did the last commitment, I thought that $30 billion is a big number that people go, so what? And how will that affect me? And how will I see the difference in my daily life? Well, when you break that $30 billion down, it's about real tangible dollars going to homeowners to provide them their first opportunity to own a home. We've also created and doubled our down payment assistance for those homeowners. So they get the chance if they were struggling to get the first down payment for that home that we are actually giving them assistance and incentives to do so. Those are really important tools. So if you think about a first time homeowner who's renting a day, paying $1,000 a month and they could achieve homeownership and potentially reduce that monthly payment or be about the same, but instead of them paying rent to a landlord, they're now paying themselves and increasing their wealth opportunity. That's real intangible to an individual. And our commitment is to have increased homeownership by 40,000 new homeowners in our communities. That's huge. And you, that's huge. Yeah. When you think about small business, increasing it by, you know, really putting $2 billion against that challenge of creating access to capital for Black entrepreneurs that in our communities are job creators. They're anchors in our communities. They, they let students know and young people know what the possibilities are for them at, for entrepreneurship. Those are significant. So that takes that $30 billion down to what it means for the individual consumer, small business owner, or young person who's looking for their first opportunity in corporate America with our careers and skills focus. So as we look at the $30 billion commitment uh, and the implementation of those dollars, what specifically is Advancing Black Pathways roles or initiatives as part of that $30 billion? How do you help drive you know, the, um, the, the mission of Advancing Black Pathway, which focuses on the African American community and dovetail that with the overall $30 billion commitment? Well, when you think about Path Forward and that $30 billion, it's focused on two communities, Black and Latinx. And when you think about what Advancing Black Pathways is focused on, it's about creating those pathways for opportunity for Blacks. And so it aligns extremely well with our focus and we will work closely with the partners and the lines of business around advancing Black pathways and Black communities. When you think about it, the $30 billion is really providing the lines of businesses with the accountability and the metrics. ABP did a great job of building the foundation. We created and curated and innovated programs that we think are scalable. What the $30 billion it lets us do is really align that and scale it. So where we were impacting thousands of consumers with our programs, we have the ability to multiply that, you know, five to 10X because of the connectivity with not just 
the, the tools and the creative activities of advancing Black pathways, but then taking it to the business and scaling it. And the, the businesses have far more capacity to really drive in all of our communities impact. So advancing Black entrepreneurs, which is a great program that we've partnered with you all on, yeah, yeah, that yeah. is really focused. Yep, we, we've Thank partnered you. with yeah. you. Yeah. Urban League, the National, National Minorities uh, Supplier Development Council, and the uh, U.S. Black Chamber. Yeah, they, they, they've been great partners, in, as you have been. Um, and, 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 it, and that goes to the efforts that you talked about, driving Black entrepreneurship, bolstering Black businesses, especially in this COVID-19 environment, and then preparing them for the post-COVID-19 uh, environment. Uh, in, in looking at business, and you, you touched on this, what are your expectations? So this $30 billion commitment over five years, five years from now, how, what, what, would, what are your expectations or your hopes where black business will be positioned? Well, Derek, when we talked before, we, we were looking at the challenges around COVID and, and black businesses survival rate, right? We thought that we would lose about 40% of black businesses just because of COVID. One, because when they entered the pandemic, they were not as well capitalized and didn't have the same set of resources as their white counterparts. And then when you exacerbate the businesses that they were in, the number of employees that were impacted and their revenue, the ability for them to survive the pandemic was really challenging. And what I promised you was not on my watch, right? Mm -hmm. If we, we can let the 40% be that number or we can work together collectively to really drive that number down by listening, understanding what the needs are and closing that capital gap, giving them the technical assistance that they needed to really not only survive, but to thrive after the pandemic. And to give them the tools to pivot, right? To deliver their services through an e-commerce plant um, vehicle or platform if they weren't a direct, you know, direct face-to-face -face business. But those tools were really important both the technical skills, and I really appreciate the partnership with, yep. with Black Enterprise, Urban League, and all of the other partners that we have along this journey to collectively listen, understand the needs of small business owners in our communities, and to provide some solutions that we know work. So if I, could, if I had a crystal ball and could look and hope that all of our efforts over the next five years are, are impactful or sustainable, is that one, Black businesses would have revenue aligned and very similar to their white counterparts on an annual basis. Mm. That our, our decline or businesses that go out of business are either below or at least equal to the, the majority. And that lastly, the number of employees that we are able to employ go from most Black businesses or sole proprietor where they only are higher just themselves that they are actually have a three to five employee number. Those are big bodacious goals. But I think when we even the playing field, we know that opportunity, ingenuity, creativeness is, is distributed fairly, but we know that the playing field and the opportunity around getting there isn't. If we can level that playing field, Derek, we should see significant outcomes and close that gap around building a better community, you know, transferring wealth and ensuring that our kids and our, our, you know, and the next generation 
can really take it from there. When we pass the baton to them, we should not be at the same place we started. Yeah, actually, you know, the, uh, the great part about being part of the Advancing Black Entrepreneurs Coalition is having the dialogue yep. and sharing with uh, the representatives of Chase the challenges that mm -hmm. our stakeholders have. And then also what needs to happen in order for us to create more, I would say, BE100s businesses. Absolutely. And those are the nation's largest businesses, because we know that African-American firms or Latinx firms tend to hire more African-Americans and Latinx respectively. And yeah. that's going to help position them to start getting that first home, to start, you know, and then also inspire them to be entrepreneurs themselves. Absolutely. And I would say, Derek, I just want to say those conversations and that um, that honesty around bringing and sharing the, the true issues and us not solving the problem in a in an ivory tower are really important. These partnerships that we're able to listen, ideate, and then come back to the marketplace with solutions that they say work for them is really important. Well, you've always had a reputation in your banking career you. of reinvesting in communities to help the, the most vulnerable. As we look at advancing Black pathways and as we look at the commitment, what do you see as the other reinvestment opportunities to advance uh, African-American communities and you know, the individuals within those communities? I think one of the real key cornerstones of advancing Black pathways and the path forward is around the careers and skills and also around investing in our employees. We wanna make sure that our employees benefit from the opportunities that we're creating for our communities because they're our community too. So I'm really proud of the work that we've done around our minimum wage being a livable wage. That's important yeah. that our employees get an opportunity to take advantage of the American dream because they are making enough money to make their ends meet that they can be homeowners, that they can start a small business. We wanna make sure that not only does our community thrive, but our employees also see the benefits of that. And then when you think about the work that we're doing with our historically black colleges and universities, it is tremendous, it is well needed, and we need to do more of it. But the 10,000 students that we're educating around financial education every year, we're changing the next generation's relationship and their behavior with money just by teaching them around early around managing money. I don't know about you, Derek, but when I grew up, and I hate to say it, my mother, our discussions at the dinner table was mind your own business. This is grown from business. Well, well, our conversations were about <laughs> expenses, not investment. <laughs> you're Absolutely. costing me X, you're costing me Y, but not about saving your money, investing your money, you know, making sure that you uh, gain, uh, go into uh, home ownership early as a means of wealth building. And those Absolutely. are the type of conversations that are needed, especially with our young people. Yep. So the work that we're doing around financial education and wealth, financial health and education in our historically Black colleges and universities, hopefully those students will come out a lot smarter than I was about money management because we're having those conversations and we're, ha and we're teaching them early on before they come out and make the mistakes, before they come out and buy the first car, fancy car with their first big paycheck, right? Because that's what you do if you don't know better. Your relationship with money is not the right kind of relationship where you're thinking about paying yourself first. 
right? Investing in your 401k and then reducing your expenses and making sure that more than 50% of your income is not going to your housing expenses. Those are things that you have to learn the hard way if you don't have those conversations, either at your dining room table or in the setting that we're providing at historically black colleges and universities. The second thing that's important is the opportunity to start your career. And our commitment to, to hire over 4,000 students over the next five years makes a tremendous difference. I'm a first generation college student. And so I know firsthand that my first job was my generational transformative opportunity to go from low wages with my college degree to having a livable wage and to start to really set myself on that path forward around building wealth and, under, and being a homeowner. My mother didn't own a home till, I was, till she was 60 years old. So we were renters most of my life. So to be the first person to buy a home out of my mother's kids was a big deal. And to help my mother when she turned 60 become a first time homeowner, it was a blessing to us. And now she can build wealth and, and transfer that wealth to my siblings. Well, as, as we talked at the beginning, what you're doing is driving wealth creation, creating the, um, the, the, the wealth building process, if you will. Absolutely. And, and more than providing an introduction, you're creating a platform for multi-generational wealth. So, so, so that's, you know, I, I view that as I'm listening to you and I've uh, been in a part of the uh, conversations, that is the end game to make sure that we engage in the wealth practices that will continue the process for generations to build wealth. Um, Absolutely. What are some of the other components? You talked about small business, you talked about home ownership, you talked about HBCUs um, as a, um, a, a fount of um, wealth building knowledge as well as talent development. What are some of the er other areas in uh, Advancing Black Pathways that you want our audience to know about? I'm really excited about two other things that I would love to cover with you, Derek. One is our commitment to supporting MDIs, which so I you, we use acronyms way too much in this industry. So the resource that we're committed to supporting minority depository institutions. BE Black Banks. <laughs> BE Black Banks, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And so we committed over $50 million to provide capital and access so that they have the ability to also be part of the solution that we need to create in our communities around capital creation and supporting that small business ecosystem. So not just MDIs, but also our community development financial institutions. Those are two critical components to that small, to the access to capital ecosystem that have been underfunded. And if you are a black led CDFI or, or MDIs, we talked about BE black banks, resources, are, we've been challenging. They, they don't have the right capital and they don't have necessarily all of the tools that they need to generate the right level of revenue to sustain themselves and grow. And when you think about the fact that combined black banks only really um, are about $40 billion of our financial institutions all combined, that means that they have not had the ability to grow and develop like our traditional institutions. And so how do we fix that? Because they play a significant part in anchoring these communities and being maybe the first banker relationship you have. 
Yeah, that, that becomes extremely critical. I know that you know, Chase has been uh, instrumental with the payment protection program uh, in, in terms of funding black owned businesses. But a number of these companies, smaller companies need to gain access to the MDIs, the BE black banks and the uh, CDFIs in order to get those critical funds to, to keep moving forward. So, Absolutely. so, so what? I got one more that I wanted sure. to cover off with you, um, Derek, and that's the, the role that we play as a purchaser of goods and services. That means that we have the opportunity to increase the, the revenue stream for these for black businesses by expanding our supplier base. And so we've committed $750 million to spend specifically with black and Latinx businesses over the next five years. And that is important because when you think about sustainability, the ability for those businesses to grow and have the right level of revenue equates to more jobs, more investments, and more, more opportunities to, to create um, generational wealth for their families. And it hopefully we can double that 100 BE list to 200. So as we look at the, uh, the supplier development portion, uh, are we looking at uh, developing those businesses into first tier suppliers as opposed to subprime contractors? So the 750 million is focused on that first level of supplier base that we purchase directly from. But in addition to that, we have reached out to all of our gold suppliers that do business with JP Morgan Chase and really challenged them to be to come alongside us and see how much more they can do beyond our, our beyond our commitment. So we've challenged them to say, if you're our supplier and you, we call you a tier one or goal level supplier, we wanna understand what your commitment is and you have to have one. We wanna understand what your commitment will be today and in five years and that we're gonna track it and ask you for that data as part of our relationship. And if we don't see progress, we're going to challenge you to do more. And if we don't believe you're committed to it, we will have to replace you as our goal supplier. And we've been just that direct with them. So we believe that one, we want to walk the talk, but we also believe it's our responsibility to bring others along with us. And so I'm excited that when we report back in five years, not only will we achieve our goal, but we will exponentially have impact on others achieving their goals as well. That's, that's extremely important because in addition to being, say, retailers directly in your own communities, we need to expand the number of um, African-American businesses that are suppliers for, for major corporations and also to help them scale up so that they can get the large contracts and, and have impact. And as you said, increase, the, increase their supplier base, which also uh, helps expand the um, entrepreneurial ecosystem within the African-American community. And the one thing I appreciate that you guys gave us feedback on that we took to heart as part of our program is the challenges it is for those businesses 
to actually be a supplier to us because of the significant risk management and all of the hurdles that they have to go through to be able to, to meet our regulatory requirements. So one of the things that we're really excited about in partnership with you and the National Minority Supplier Development Council and the Urban League is our, our focus on the supplier development itself. So we're going to, with your, with your assistance, help underwrite and certify 200 MBEs per year over the next five years. In addition to that, we're committed to where we're buying big, where there's real big opportunity, actually helping those suppliers not only just be certified as MBEs, but also hurdle over those risk management costs, which can be substantial. And then make sure that not only are they able to do business with JP Morgan Chase, but they'd also be eligible and ready to do business with a lot more Fortune 500 companies. When they can, if they can hurdle over our risk management hurdles, they're now positioned to do even more. So we really appreciate one, you guys saying it's not just the ability to give us the contract, but what are the challenges that go along with that that create additional expenses that for some of our small businesses, they can't absorb without the contract. So how do we do that? And how do we build their capacity, not just only for JP Morgan Chase, but to really position them for growth and growth it up with other companies? Well, in, in your role, Bina, and, and what you know, Chase has demonstrated through Advancing Black Pathways, the way that this effort will be different, this corporate commitment will be different, is the dialogue. Absolutely. Listening between both parties is the education that's given to Black businesses, Black consumers, Black potential home buyers. That is all vital so that we can diminish the um, misconceptions and we can uh, create programs that also develop and build confidence and trust. Absolutely. To deal with um, you know institutions like Chase and, and other major corporations. Right. And you hit on something, Derek, which was a, a word we probably didn't spend a lot of time talking about is trust. And that's really important both in deed and in actions. And the reality is that working with organizations like yourself who've been in the trenches, who've been the voice and the support for black businesses all of these years, working with you has helped us significantly bridge that gap and ensure that when we show up in communities, we show up authentically, that we're clear around the opportunities and that you are holding us accountable. And by opening up your partnership with us, you're, you're actually giving us, um, you're, you're a bridge around trust. Without you, we would, would struggle. We can do, we can create all the products and services we want to, but if nobody's utilizing them, we're not gonna be successful. So I have to tell you, thank you, because Black Enterprise over the last two years at Advancing Black Pathways has been, you have been tremendous partners and the work that you're doing around educating our consumers and our business owners around financial health and really getting a lot of eyeballs on information that has been needed, but has not been maybe in formats or in avenues that they trust has been tremendous. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Bina. And um, just, uh, just as a um, uh, side, we, um, you know, we celebrated and we're in the process, we're continuing to celebrate our 50th anniversary. And actually Chase was the, uh, the first financial institution 
to help finance Black enterprise. So we are continuing that partnership. We're continuing to work together to have an impact. And I look forward to all the, uh, the great work and impact that you'll have as the head of Advancing Black Pathways. Well, congratulations on 50 years until, until Butch, I said hello. Sorry, he couldn't join us today, but really appreciate the partnership of Black Enterprise and the fact that you anchor our communities around the things that are important that move the needle, that generate wealth in our communities and keep corporations and organizations um, focused on the things that matter most. Well, thank you for uh, being a part of this edition of Chasing Success. And uh, Fina, we have to bring you back to see uh, where we are in the uh, you know, next few months or so. Absolutely. Every year we should come back and do a report out on what the progress is. It, it, only, it only makes an impact if we can really, really measure and be accountable for it. We talked about that earlier is what's important, you know, what makes a difference around these commitments is account, accountability and transparency. And that's important. Well. Thank you, Vina. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.